Hello, welcome to Silvertown. Welcome to the Silvertown podcast. Let's jump on that silver train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And this morning we have Todd, who's all the way. You're from down under, long ways away. Yeah. Hey man, how are you going? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm down in uh, about an hour north of Adelaide in South Australia, so right across the ditch from you. Yeah, and is what's crazy is the time. You're 16 hours ahead of me, so you're into Sunday morning already. Yeah, it's 6:30, not quite 6:30 in the morning over here. So um, yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge lining up times, but um, yeah, we always get there in the end. Yeah, and then I'm like 2 p.m. a day earlier than you. That's pretty <laughs> I, wild. <laughs> I know it's kind of. I was. It's just been hard to wrap my head around that that you're <laughs> a day ahead. But it it looks like you're actually because I'm 2 p.m. It looks like you're actually behind me and you're actually uh, 16.5 hours ahead of me. Yeah, I man, I just I have trouble even wrapping my brain around it. So I just don't think about it too much. <laughs> but yeah, it's um yeah, anyway, it's so yeah, it's nice and early here. So yeah. It is. So um welcome to Sobertown Podcast. And you're gonna share your story with us today. And I can't wait for you to uh, share it with us. Yeah, absolutely. So um I guess I'll I guess I'll just kind of go chronologically. Um I don't really know how else to how do it. It's not something I've really um sort of attempted before but I figure I'd, I'll try not to miss too much if I do that so so I suppose um drinking yeah I think I think I was kind of born into into booze in in a way um I just um it's not surprising at all that it ended up being a big part of my life and then taking over me um so you know I was I was born in Adelaide but um you know when I was young my you know my parents divorced you know uh, yeah, just as pretty common. But um, yeah, my my mum met a winemaker in uh, in SA here, um, and she ended up uh, moving us across to Victoria because you know he had grand ambitions to build a winery. So, start of high school, um, I moved over to to Victoria to the Alpine region, and um, beautiful spot. You know, it was it was magic. But yeah, he so he. He started up a winery. I, I remember walking around a paddock full of cows, you know, and currently, you know, a multi-million dollar winery stands there. And I saw the sequence of of his setting that place up from from the get-go. It was, it was pretty crazy. But what that entailed was, you know, constant work. Um, he was pretty much there 24 hours a day and my mum worked there as well. So... I guess I guess you could say I didn't have a bad upbringing, but I had pretty ne- neglectful upbringing. Um, so what I guess what I got to see is, and what I figured was normal from a young age was that you know your parents worked hard. They if they got home at all, you know they in any sort of normal time frame they'd spend the, the afternoons and or nights just basically drinking spirits until they went to sleep. And, you know, I suppose they woke up and went to bed and then they somehow got up and went back to work. That's, that's pretty much just what I, um, it's pretty much what I observed from my early teenage years. Um, so my biological father, you know, we have an excellent relationship now, but he was probably working out his own shit basically when I was younger, 
and he was two states away. So we'd, we'd see him, um, you know, a couple of times a year maybe. Um, and, you know, he'd, he'd call once a week, which was nice, but it's, yeah. So I, I suppose I had no male role model. So what, what ended up happening was I um, was really lucky. I started school there. I had no clue what I was doing. I was a skinny little scared kid. You know, I went to school on the first day with my Mickey Mouse hat on and I was just, if you can picture, it's probably a meme <laughs> with basically who I was with a, I was the dorkiest, you know, little kid. I just had no clue. And I got so lucky that I fell into this group of local boys. I, I grew up in a, a country town, about 3,000 population, and um, they took me under their wing. I was so lucky because I don't know where I would have been without them and you know I love them to this day for that the problem was with that is I kind of feel like I was raised by a group of <laughs> a group of boys my age I, I had no one else to to model off you know when I was you know I'm, I'm not I know I'm not old but I was pre-social media we didn't have phones There's, there was no smartphone anything like that you know we, I had no I had no way to to model who I was to become <laughs> off, off anyone I had no guidance really at home um I don't think my parents would argue that I hope um so yeah no and these were an, a fantastic group of guys that I I was with that and, they, and I'm lucky about that because they weren't fighters they weren't you know womanizers I don't know they, they were just a pretty decent young group of guys but but they drank like crazy <laughs> and and I don't know if I even ever wanted to or liked it but I just did it because that's just what we what we did you know so I think that's probably not an uncommon story that maybe some of us well I guess worldwide but definitely in Australia it's just what you do you know you, you, you go out every possible opportunity and you and you drink whatever you're doing it doesn't matter you, you're at a party you're at someone's house you're trying to get into the pub underage, whatever you're doing, you, you're just drinking. And the, the difference, I, I think I never knew I was different because I watched everyone drink and drink and drink and keep drinking. What I didn't realise at the time, and it took me a long time to, re- to figure this out, was that um, I, I couldn't stop, you know, no matter what, not from a young age and to this day. And I think that that's a common thread among us is that I can't stop. And I didn't know it was different because I guess by choice, a lot of them would drink and drink and drink. But what I didn't realize is if some of my friends went home or something, you know, something finished off and there was nothing going on, they might, they might put the beers down maybe. They just didn't by choice. I, I couldn't. I didn't have a choice there. Um, not my fault, just who I am. So, yeah, so look... I, I had no clue there was even anything wrong with it. I just, I just did what we did, um, and I, I, I suppose I wanted. That's probably harping on, but that's kind of where it all started. So I started drinking when I was about maybe fifteen or sixteen, and it wasn't, you know, early on. It wasn't during the week. During, it wasn't during school. Not that I recall. It, it was just every single opportunity outside of. Um, yeah, outside of normal day-to-day that we'd be drinking. So that's where the cycle started to ingrain itself. Did you that's, guys ever drink in school uh, also? 
No, we didn't really. What we, what we probably did on outings and, you know, events, I, I was in the ski team, we'd go snowboarding and everything. And, you know, things like that would generally involve some, you know, slab of beer snuck in there somewhere. Um, gotcha. So, you know, but no, no, not really, man. We, we sort of just, we sort of kept it to outside of school hours. Um, but, yeah, so where's that at? So, yeah, I suppose... I suppose um, I just followed those guys, and 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 that's and I, I love them dearly to this day. They're they're beautiful people, all of them. I'm so glad they took me under their wing. But um, but yeah, that just that's that that really developed that that loop. Um, so yeah, so after after high school, um, I took a gap year. I worked. That wasn't too bad because I was doing about seventy to eighty hours at a winery. Um, but. After that, I went to uni. So um, I moved to Melbourne and I studied uh, exercise science to start with. And um, uni is just an absolute piss fest, like at the best of times. And I was already in that loop. So uh, it just continued, you know. Now, it didn't stop me from studying. It didn't stop me from achieving. I, I always worked hard and got, you know, grades in I guess like the top sort of 10% but every second that I wasn't working hard or having an exam coming up something like that I was we're getting on it you know and it was just it was just reinforcing that loop and you know what's the sick thing is is I had no clue for so long that it was even a problem I didn't think about it I probably was young enough to recover um I just didn't, I don't know what it was. I don't know whether I was clouded by being constantly, you know, looking for that next drink or whether I, I don't know, I wasn't stupid. And then, you know, by this stage, I was probably halfway through a degree and I just didn't think about it. I can't believe that I, no one even mentioned it. Like maybe there were, maybe one of my girlfriends at the time would say, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit worried about how much wine you drink, you know, something like that. But really I'd, I would have really loved it if someone had just said, mate, <laughs> you drink too much. Like you, you, you're never not drinking, you know? And is it wine over there that uh, mostly is drank because of other wineries? Oh, look, man, there's plenty. I live in a wine. I live in probably the biggest wine region in Australia and um, we drink a hell of a lot of it here. Sure. But no, you know, I think it evolved probably does it for a lot of us. It evolved. I, I, um, I started with with mainly just beer when I was in school, then I and then added wine to my, you know, to my forte there. Um, through uni, it was mainly beer and wine. So, I I'd get into a bit of everything, but I wasn't as keen on on the spirits. But that definitely came later. So and for when you say uni for us over here, that's the university, uh, right? Yeah, university. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So. <laughs> the thing about my stepdad having owning a winery though is you know he thought it probably was a really nice gift and it, and it, and it is it's a nice thought but you know he he'd occasionally do things like uh prepare me he'd go out to the winery he'd get to a you know premium tank of finished wine he'd get a 20 liter drum put a bung in the bottom of it you know fill it fill him up put some dry ice in the top to stop it oxidizing and he'd bring that down to melbourne for me so here i am not knowing i have a problem and and i'm getting given a 20 liter bloody drum 
of, of beautiful, high, you know, high quality red wine. And I, it probably sickens me to think of how quickly that probably disappeared, you know, and I'd convince myself that, I don't know, my girlfriend might have, she had a glass here and there and she helped me with that, but that was bullshit. I, I just, I would drain that thing, you know. All right. So I had access to, you know, because at uni I had no money. You know, I was working nights loading trucks, doing whatever I could to make ends meet while I studied during the day and then drank every other time that something was going on and there was always something going on. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I, I'd brew my own beer. I, I had a – I just had one room where I, where I was living and I had a, a closet where my clothes should go. <laughs> And I had a little Cooper's drum and I was brewing my own beer and I'd, I'd pretty much got to the stage where I would, um, I would just double sugar that bad boy so that the yeast would convert more, uh, more alcohol. So, you know, all I'd hear at night when I was going to sleep was bloop, bloop, <laughs> like that as the, as the, the gasket was letting the carbon dioxide out and the yeast was, it was a beautiful sound at the time, you know, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so I made, my own beer cheap probably tasted like shit, but you know, what do you, what do you do when, when you just want to get the buzz. drink and you can't afford it? So yeah, I was pretty diligent in my preparations to making sure I had enough booze. Um, and then, like I said, I had access to far more wine than the average Joe does as well. So yeah. So, you know, uni probably didn't enjoy that much. Um, one of the reasons I think that I, continue with my drinking so much as I, I suffer from a, a hell of a lot of social anxiety. Um, I always did. And, and another thing that perhaps would have helped me with, you know, more internet access at a younger age and I don't know, more role models is that um, I could have realized that uh, pouring fuel down, you, uh, sorry, pouring um, alcohol down, you, down your gob is, is literally just fueling, anxiety and in all, all sorts and i just didn't know that you know and <laughs> we think we're managing something we think we're medicating and or, or i you know at the time i didn't even think that i just it's just what i did i guess as a natural response and oh man if i knew what i knew now <laughs> I, I, yeah back then I, you just made sure you had it and you created it since you couldn't uh, afford it yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. So yeah, the biggest thing that confuses the hell out of me is I, is just how on earth I thought so little about it. I, I don't know what it was. It just freaks me out. But like I said, I'm not stupid, but I, I just had this block. I had this, this brick wall between me and the realization that I'm building slowly towards disaster, you know, and, it well, look like at your this. environment that you're you're brought up in a winery. Alcohol is just a normal part of life everywhere you look around. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know if you grew up with a lot of people having consequences of drinking. So maybe it just uh, really didn't dawn on you the beast that the poison really is, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like they say, it it kills by the by the millimeter or you by the inch i guess i don't know um it's it's so slow you know so no i didn't see that i didn't see that but but, but what i realize now is that you know if i was emotionally abused for example in the past by by any you know my stepdad 
he was going through the same shit. Like I watched him, I watched him over consume too. And it makes me, and I have some, I have a lot of forgiveness because I don't know, maybe he was just in the same sort of boat. Like, I just don't know. Um, I just, I just don't know what he, what was going through his head either. So, uh, I, I, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I lost my train of thought there, but, um, it was all around me, man. And, um, so I got through, I got through uni and I never really stopped, stopped drinking. I mean, I think I would probably take a day here and there if there was nothing happening. Actually, I remember, I remember one night, it was a Friday night when I was at uni and I, I was doing a workout or something like that at about 7 or 8 p.m. And it just felt obscure uh, that nothing was actually happening on that particular night when there's always something happening. And I just remember thinking it was so odd that I wasn't partying. I wasn't out drinking or at a friend's place, you know, slugging down whatever we were drinking. And it, it shouldn't have been. I mean, that's the norm now. But yeah, it's, it's, it was a really weird feeling. I, I don't know why I recall that one, but I do. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I got through uni. I was at uni for six years because I ended up jumping around and I, I um, did exercise science and I did a, a Bachelor of Health Science and then eventually I did a Master's in, in um, clinical chiropractic and, and so I kind of got a bit of a mix now. But, yeah, I work as a chiro now um, and... It was a long degree and I don't, I'm not, I'm a quiet person. I love the country. I'm not a city person. So it was a little bit tough for me Um, probably, you know, and and I just got through it by working hard when I worked hard and drinking basically every, every time I could outside of that. So that was my six years at uni. And then, yeah, no, I, I graduated and, um, I worked, um, I worked back in the country again, not too far from where I grew up for a couple of years and the drinking just continued, you know? Um, and the, the other bad thing about it was that I, I never really quite, I never really quite acted stupidly enough or did anything wrong enough for it to cause anyone to pull me up. And that's a problem too. I actually kind of wish I was a train wreck. Um, but I, I'm not, I, I just drink a lot and, you know, I'm a quiet guy. I sort of, it sort of, I, I just internalize all the effects and I, I turn probably do some stupid things, but I'd never do enough to, to warrant people pulling me up on it, I think. And, um, in some ways I wish that wasn't the case because I mean, if I had just acted like a complete buffoon, even if I had have heard a relationship or two, maybe maybe then someone would have actually told me what I'm doing is not healthy, what I'm doing is wrong um, and, and hurting me. But anyway, I just, I just kept drinking. Um, I probably started to get a bit more interested in broad range of alcohols. I started to develop a really real taste for whiskey and things like that. So you name it, I, by that point, you name it. I just, I just felt like whatever I felt like on the night and that's what I, what I drink. And I, I remember going to the um, bottle shop, and you know, I'd I'd have to I'd meticulously plan out. I think I want to start with with beer tonight, and then man, it'd take me ages to choose. Now, which variety do I want today? And then then I'd think, you know, and I'm probably going to want to 
probably going to want to go from that to a nice red. Uh, and then after that, yeah, we'll probably need some sort of other liquor. It's, it was ridiculous. I, not only was I drinking too much, I was meticulously planning out what, what type of booze in what order um, for that particular night. And it was nearly like a night, it was nearly like a, a little concoction of the right medicines on the right times and of the night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was at that time I met my, my now wife and, you know, I was, I was drinking too much. I felt like shit a lot of the time, but I masked it extremely well. And, it didn't affect my work. I drank all night. I felt like shit in the mornings, but I, I never missed work. Um, I, I, I never didn't do a good job. I just did. I, but it was like my whole life until now was like it's been like in my brain, like kind of like bashing through the rainforest with a rusty machete. You know, it's like it's just hard. It was hard, and it didn't have to be, but. It's just what it was. So um, what this what this time in your life was you waking up just like in that self-loathing? Yes. Yes. Hate, yes. The shame, the guilt, the remorse, all that bullshit. It, exactly. Every morning. It just because I, I would because well at, not at uni, but when I yeah, when when I started to first get an inkling that I needed to not feel this way anymore and I couldn't deal with the hangovers like I could when I was younger that self-loathing and those thoughts were so prevalent. And I know they are in a lot of us because we know that that's what happens when we know we're not doing something that's um, any good for us that we need to stop. And I was realizing that slowly. And every morning I'd wake up feeling like shit, knowing I shouldn't have drank that much last night or at all and, and just hating myself and wondering why I do it and why I can't stop. And, and it's that classic thing that I know so many of us have had where, where you dedicate to not having anything that night, you know, and you're so set in your decision and we, we both know how that goes. Yeah. You wake up that morning. I'm not doing this again. And then by the, by the evening time or you get off work or whatever, you're right back in the loop. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And that would, yeah, that started to be my norm. Yeah, definitely. What about a lot of us have dealt with suicidal thoughts um, because of the alcohol? Did it take you there too? Yeah, it did. So, I mean, now I'm where I am now. I'm so, I'm just so happy. I just, and I feel so damn good. So, and I'm really focusing on all the positives in my life and, you know, and so I'm not dwelling on the past and I'm, and I'm really letting it all go. But for the sake of, of, of this, yeah, um, I, you know, it wasn't the same all the time. It would fluctuate. It would come in kind of waves. But at its worst, yeah, at its worst, it would be suicidal ideation. Um, it, would, it would be deep depression that was just above the line of manageable and and, and giving the ability to pretend you're okay. Um, very rarely it would slip, you know, b- below that line. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, I can't actually even fake this anymore. Um, but um, yeah. So like, so 
I, I hit those depths and, and everything in my experience was internalized, like I said. So I so, don't know. That, so nobody knew no, everything no. that was going on on your brain. This is just yep. all internally. Yep. Um, you know, I pretty I don't know, but I'm pretty sure most people just thought Todd's just a quiet guy really nice friendly um successful he's he's all right he's fine uh, i just i just blank face it mark mask it no i i never talked about it you know and it's it, the, all these things they happen within our mind and they're no less real but they were um yeah on some some weeks maybe some days they they was tearing me up like i remember just thinking and it's it's different now. I didn't have as many responsibilities back then, um, so that those those thoughts can become more real, you know. And I just remember thinking, if if there was just a if if we just had an off switch in our brains and it wasn't so damn hard, I would definitely have flicked that bastard, you know. Right. <laughs> I just, right. It's, thank God it's more difficult than that, you know. But yeah, man, I was in those I was in those positions. Most definitely, I felt that way, and and it would vary, but it's incredible how much that was just related to to my consumption, um, and I know I know that now, because <laughs> but I still didn't know that. I thought I was just broken or troubled, and you know I probably am, but nowhere near to the point that um, yeah that that I was at that time. So yeah, but I, I had a little. Up, I met my mess. I was saying I was. I met my wife um, while I was while I was um, in that first job um, for a couple of years, and that and that was wonderful. And eventually, you know, we ended up moving in together. And she she just sort of went with the flow. Like she'd she'd have some drinks with me, and she could take it or leave it. She was, you know, a normal drinker. Air quotes normal. You know what I mean? And um, but I from early days, like I could see my habits wearing off on her. And eventually that came to be one, you know, one additional driver to me quitting because, hey, I can kill myself. But, man, if I start seeing it, <laughs> the same habits where like rubbing off on other people that I love, that is not okay. <laughs> so, yeah, but we had a really positive uptick and I, we went travelling around Australia in a land cruiser for a year and a half odd. <laughs> And I'd, I'd locum, I'd take locum jobs all around the country. Um, you know, so we'd sort of model where we went and I'd work and take over someone's practice for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. And it was amazing. And, you know, we couldn't, I couldn't really drink all the time. You know, we were, we were on the road, we were in the bush, we were camping, we were kayaking, swimming and running and whatever. And it was magic. It was the best thing, best thing I've ever done. And, it sort of forced me to see, and sometimes maybe a bit painful, but it would force me to see that um, I don't have to all the time, uh, and um, and just how good I felt when I didn't drink. You couple that with a beautiful environment that we were often in, um, and it helped me to, I think, realize or just see I needed that forced um, sort of short-term breaks. <laughs> That helped me to break that break that loop and realize that maybe maybe it can 
you know, maybe you can moderate, <laughs> but I wasn't quite there yet. I still thought that that was possible to moderate for me. But the problem was if we were going through a town and we might've been out of it, out of any real civilization for a while and living with the possums, you know? So I, um, yeah, we go through a town though, man. <laughs> I remember one time we went up to a beautiful beach in Tassie, Northern Tassie, went to a near, nearby town. I bought like a liter of vodka, two liters of tomato juice and a celery. And I thought it'd be a great thing just to sit there and plug away at that, <laughs> that bad boy. <laughs> And, um, you know, I should have been out in the kayak or something instead. But point is, a lot of the time I couldn't access that or I wasn't. And that really helped me. So um, During that year and a half of travel. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It was still too much drinking, but it was sporadic, you know. Did you, that, actually, did you like consciously think, wow, I'm feeling better right now, not drinking? Was that conscious thought? They slipped in. They slipped <laughs> sounds crazy but those thoughts kind of slipped in but they they weren't it wasn't the dominant thought it wasn't like oh i'm feeling good because i'm not drinking but it's it started to started to to fire yeah um so and you know we, that was amazing you know like we we traveled it gave me that little spark but um after traveling we moved here where i am now um i absolutely love it here i want to be here forever even though the whole place revolves around the production of alcohol. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Cause I, it's just a beautiful place. But you know, when you settle, when you get comfortable, we bought it, we, you know, we got a house here now. We, you know, life, life sort of settled into family life. Um, yeah. It, you know what it's like? Uh, it was comfortable. You know, you'd work a sort of known, known hours. And so you'd come home and consume you know, most nights and it would be to excess because like I said, uh, one sip, it's all it takes. I, I can't stop. So, so yeah, I mean, living, living here now, um, been here for about five years and over that five years is when I stopped, I stopped getting any enjoyment out of it. Um, <laughs> for more than that, two to two to 10 minutes, you know what it's like. It's, yeah, I stopped getting any enjoyment out of it, and and I started realizing uh, I I feel like shit more and more. I'm drinking more and more, such that you know, I'm only just drinking probably that limit on the on school nights that I can get away with and still haul my hungover ass out of bed and and just you know be under the limit to drive to to work and you know. So like I said, it never affected my work or anything like that. And yet you're dealing with it with public with a hangover yep. that's has to be hell it was brutal man it's brutal um and i am uh, i am as introverted as they come like it's an effort for me to deal with people and one of the reasons i went into the profession i i did was to challenge myself and i and i'm so glad that i did because it's i might have just been a recluse you know, if I hadn't have pushed myself to normalize, you know, dealing with people, helping people, talking to people, communicating, you know, and communicating in front of groups, things like that, because I am not wired that way. I'm very, very, very quieter. I'm like a hermit crab. Like if I'll sort of creep my way out, you know, and you'll probably see that on the, on the app that we use too. I sort of, I might just creep my little claws out there and, 
you know, the second something comes along or someone looks at me, I just snap back in and I'm gone. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just kind of the way I am. And, and, um, yeah, so I, I'm glad I'm, I'm doing the, the work that I am because it challenges me and it keeps me, keeps me in the real world. Um, but cause otherwise I, I'm, I'm much happier alone and in, in my quiet places and that's where I recharge my batteries. So, yeah. So yeah, in this place here, um, yeah, it just, that's when I realized it's a problem. And that's when I started my journey towards, well, what I thought was <laughs> a healthy relationship with alcohol, which ended up obviously that's that's a complete load of crap for um for there is no healthy relationship there's just no relationship or or all or none um so you decided that you were going to start moderating yeah so man um i started with the basics like we probably all do um you, you just you set rules don't you you know you um you try you say okay this week i've got to have you know, three alcohol-free nights, wherever it might be. Um, that sort of that sort of thing. I think we've all sort of tried and tried to put rules in place for ourselves. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I really feel like I've I do have a lot of willpower. Um, and I I tried and tried and tried with all of these different rules, and I really think I did become like like a white knuckling champion, like. I was, it was hard, man, but I, I would go, I wouldn't follow my, the, my rules that I set. None of us can follow them. It never works out, but I, <laughs> I got better and better at just, oh, just gripping on hard, getting through and just getting that day off, getting that two days off, maybe, maybe three. And then the cycle went back to normal. And um, I'd occasionally get to three in a row. And it's on that third day, I'd be doing something in the yard or whatever. And I'd think to myself, man, maybe life could be like this. Like, why can't I just live like this all the time? You know, I really, I want this, you know, I really want to live like this. I feel good. Why the fuck do I not allow myself to do this? You know, and it was just like that third day when I rarely got to it. It was just the light shone through and I just started to see like that life could be okay and not just okay, great. And that was just day three. Man, we're not even close to healed at day three. Not even. No, we're <laughs> not. Not even, not even <laughs> close. I mean, we're now on our 10th month at the moment. And, um, yeah, we've got a lifetime of change to do, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I started, I started to get just those strings enough to, to, to feel like so strongly that that is the way I want my life to be, you know? So, um, I, it was just, to be honest, it, it ended up just being a long time of hard moderating and, like I said, it just felt like life was hard. So when you're drinking a lot, it's hard drinking every day. And I actually feel like it's nearly just as hard or harder <laughs> on the not, on the days you're not drinking 
because white knuckling it. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything revolved around when you're going to be able to get through that day and, and to the, to whatever day is that you're back feeding your cells, you know, and drenching them with ethanol. So were you it, like the days that you're not drinking, was there a lot of anxiety as you're yeah. white knuckling it? Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety is a pretty common, common thread in my mind. Um, you know, so yeah, when you, when you're just trying to beat out all those cravings and when you're trying to, to white knuckle it, all of those things come in, you know, the, um, all the bad sleep, all of the anxieties, um, maybe depression on and off, but I, I guess manageable, but, um, that that's hard. It's really hard just doing drink then off and drink then off and two days off because it's like, it's like going through day zero every week and day zero and the early days, they're the bloody hardest. They're some of the hardest times out there. And it, so <laughs> it's nearly, it's just shocking. It could drink every day, bad drink. Most days bad. Take, you know, the days you have off very bad. <laughs> so I don't even know what's better, but, you know, so I, I was doing that more and more and that nearly seemed like life was getting harder. And, and I know there'll be others out there who've been the same where you'll stop, you'll make it through a few, the more days you get, you make it when you do go back, you go back harder. You nearly, it's nearly like your stupid brain is trying to make up for the days you had off. So, and you know, you're probably less able to deal with it. Your hangovers are worse. I mean, you know, when we drink, we develop the, the enzyme alcohol dehydrogenase to your body does that naturally to help break down alcohol faster. And I assume that, you know, as you take more time off, the levels of dehydrogenase enzyme in your body go down and you just get hit harder, 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 harder. So those last, those last years here have been tough because not that, not because I was doing anything, you know, worse or acting worse or destroying anything additionally to what I, you know, always was except for my body. Ugh. Um, it was just getting harder because I was trying harder and harder to moderate. And, and, and over this period though, I was learning. I was, I already knew the, I already knew the physiology of, of my problem. And that was something else that hurt my, my mind even more was that my, I, my, <clears throat> my fitness and my health, are paramount in my life. And I knew that I was, I was hugely damaging. I, I knew so you're actually I studying. You're in this point. You're trying to moderate. So you're actually studying uh, yeah. what alcohol does to you during this time. Then, yeah, yeah. I mean, I already knew from <laughs> from uni basically what ethanol does to your to your body, and I was studying it um, even more so. But I was more starting to head down the road of studying how how to um yeah how to minimize its consumption things like that like i said before it took me i just wasn't my brain wasn't willing to accept that i had to quit for good i don't know how i could have possibly not come to that conclusion i think alcohol clouds our um our reason our addiction does you know it it, it does, does. It, 
Yeah. So I, I just I I knew in the in my in my depth of my mind that that's what needed to happen, but I wasn't able to accept it. So I just kept flogging that horse, you know, and trying to moderate for far too long. And and I'd say to my wife, like, I'd tell her my plans. <laughs> she was always supportive, you know. She tried to help. Um, and then. So you would tell her the plans, okay, sweetheart, today I'm just going to not drink for three days, then I'll drink. And so you laid the groundwork out to her what your plan was. Yeah, Yeah, I did communicate that with her, yeah. And um, (laughs) it was laughable. Like if I could look back at myself sitting at my kitchen table talking to her about (laughs) the ridiculous plan, like, okay, so – I might as well pull it, put it in a spreadsheet. I was that was that meticulous with it. Like it, it'd be like, okay, so so these types of alcohol, you know, um, on these days are okay, and those aren't. Uh, and so now, and I worked it out not just by amount of drinks, by standard drinks. So I'd so I'd factor in the strength of each type of alcohol, uh, and it was it was it was hilarious, and it was laughable, and it was futile because it. It didn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. And you, I could have a light beer, you know, with, you know, 0.8 standard drinks. It doesn't matter. That's all I need because once it's in your bloodstream, if you like the way I am, you got to keep going. So it's, it's, and I know, okay, so I tried that a lot too, right? I, I experimented and I thought, right, we're going to have, you know, you and I, my wife and I, we're going to have one glass of wine tonight. You know, I'm going to make, I'm going to have, I was dead set. I was, I was super ready for whatever was going to happen. And I had, you know, one glass of wine and it is literally painful. It, not physical pain, but it is, it is painful in a way for me to drink one drink. It can't, it's absolutely not worth drinking one drink because the effects I feel afterwards and the draw for, for more and stopping that, whew, that was that's, way worse that's than having that. That's a huge, none. huge battle oh, right there. Yeah, and, you know, I did that a few times and I made it happen and then, I, yeah, I told I told my wife then, I was like, hey, <laughs> it's far more painful for me to, to do this sort of one drink thing. Hey, I can't do it. <laughs> it. It sucks. And, you know, some people might not understand that, but that's that's how I felt, you know. Um, so it it took me a long time um, to realize. Now I had, I think we all have these little pivotal moments um, where where we we have these little realizations, and it's usually just in our own silly mind. But I was I was in my yard on a beautiful day, hungover as shit, most likely, and I was mowing the lawn. I love mowing my lawn. Uh, that might sound stupid, but I love getting in my yard and just putting in music or podcasts and just doing it. I just, I just love it. And I was mowing the lawn. I was listening to a podcast. I forget who this podcast it was, but the guest was, and, and Aussies will know this bloke. I'm not sure if anyone else um, internationally will, but there's, there's a guy here who's an Australian uh, TV celebrity of sorts and his name's Osher Ginsberg and I was listening to Osher on someone else's podcast and he was so open about 
his struggles with um, alcohol, uh, other substances, and um, uh, and mental health, and you know everything from depression to even psychosis. And this dude, I used to watch Ostar, which is our like satellite TV when I was a kid, and there was Channel V. I think it was Channel V. And they, that was a music TV program. And um, Osher, at the time, he, he went by Andrew G. He was, he was the coolest dude, you know. When I was, I, was a, I was a kid, you just like, yeah, he's, he's the shit. And, you know, these days he, does, he hosts reality TV shows like, you know, The Bachelor and things like that, things that I couldn't even uh, – you, you couldn't force me to watch that shit. I, like I, I just wouldn't <laughs> go near it. But aside from <laughs> the shows – and he does a very good job of it – but aside from the, those shows, uh, he in in the way he speaks openly about his struggles, he was the catalyst for me to actually flick this little switch in my brain and think, ah, oh, right, <laughs> everything he just said is me, and he stopped. He he is totally dry. And he lives his life that way. And everything he said just resonated with me. I mean, I've never, I've never been a recreational drug user. It's just something that I don't know. I just never attracted to it, probably fearful of it, never went near it. He, he did. But, like, but of that aside, everything he said was, it just resonated with me. Everything he felt. And he was so open. Uh, and I guess that's one reason... I, I'm hoping, you know, what, what you're doing here is something that I think is so valuable. And I just say thanks for that because what I've been doing for the last six months is just, you know, 10 months, 12 months, is consuming, consuming stories, other people's stories, learning from everyone else. And the more we do that, the more that we realize there's so many people. There's so many people like us. Um, and we're not broken. We're not abnormal <laughs> what's abnormal is so you're listening to him yeah yeah so you're yeah. getting a you're fine and you're getting yeah. a plan mm. and well yeah you want off the alcohol yeah making that's a, right now you're so, making a conscious choice yeah well i think what i real i think what that made me realize is that i i can live without it i i just couldn't bring myself to realize that it could be zero stupid as it may be it took me. It took me listening to Osher being open um, like that to realize that oh, I am like that. I, I am not. I am not able to moderate. It is hurting my health. It is hurting my mind. And now I need to begin the path of full sobriety. That that is what that moment led me to realize. Um, now that takes more planning, a lot more planning and a lot more learning. But that's the point at which I began the journey towards full sobriety. Right. So, so yeah, if I, if I could say thanks to him um, in any way, I could die. I, I, um, I just owe, I owe him a lot and I continue to listen to, he has his own podcast and I continue to listen to him um, because yeah, what he says and his openness means so much to me. So 
I'm going to have to listen to him now too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's a good, he's a good dude. He's a good listen. Like he, um, he just interviews people, and then he has a, he has a little uh, speed. Um, yeah, um, just just listening to him helped me a lot, and and it's not, you know, at, I hadn't heard. I'd been delving into my own stupid rabbit holes, like I'd listened to science podcasts, and you know. <laughs> stuff you should know things like that and and when i heard him i thought ah, oh, there's a lot out there that i should be listening to and i started delving down that path and there's a lot of really helpful resources out there and and they they did they did help me a lot because i'm such an introvert i have a lot of trouble you know some people might be able to go out and say i don't know go to a group or you know talk to someone they know or that's hard for me um so Thankfully, now there's these resources that can sort of start us on that journey if we're a little hesitant or if we're not sure of ourselves, um, which, which is me all over. So, yeah, so from that point, Grifter, I, um, I, I went hard at it and, and I, started, I, just, I started consuming podcasts, reading, learning, um, and, and testing. I, I I'd just do experiments on myself and I'd trial what works and what doesn't. And I mean, I, I made my own, made my own, there's a little app habits app that you can type your own habits into, you know, and I'd, I'd do that and I'd monitor my alcohol consumption and the days and the days I was off. And then on the days I did how much I consume, I'd monitor. I love data, you know, I'd, I'd monitor everything in my life and I still use that app today. It's gigantic. Now it's got all of my daily habits, um, and I end each day by ticking off what I've done, what I haven't, and I can, I can conclude very much that it's all of those little things cumulatively that lead to a really happy life, happy, productive life for myself. And um, so, yeah, look, I just I, I went down this road and um, once I'd started, um, there was no going back. So um, I suppose that takes me to, to the point at which I... I did successfully give it up unless you have anything else you want me to go into. Well, yeah. I want to, so you found this app Yeah, and you're, you're an introvert and it was the, yeah. I am sober app. Yeah, that's right. And so I, I didn't know this in the beginning, but you and I are, are like on the same sober squad. We're 10 months. Yeah. You're a little bit of, you're about a week ahead of me, I think. Yeah. And, but you were like, I would, I think I saw, just one or two things here and there. And I didn't even know really how much time you had or so you just were like in the background during that time, weren't you? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I'm always in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been there along. I've been watching you the whole way. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I checked, I've been checking in on that app um, and watching people's stories for, for the whole journey. And um, yeah, that's, you you've been a big help just you, you just you've just been shining through with with positivity and support for people from day one and you know that that's so nice i mean that sort of that sort of act makes a, a huge difference and um you know i think a lot of us uh who go through this journey we probably do lack we probably lack that support like i don't i, don't, I never really got told ever in my life that i was doing something right you know everyone needs some reinforcement that they're okay or 
you know, that they're doing something right in their life. And just when you go on and you, you, you give everyone that little bit of a pat on the back or, yeah, it makes a big difference. So, so that's well, why. Even with you, because I knew that you didn't comment a lot. So when you did comment to me, I, I thought it was really cool and it would help me. Yeah. And then even when you do, you have commented, which hasn't been a lot, or you haven't done a lot of posts, man, you are so eloquent with your words. And hey, I would challenge you to get out there even more because you're really, really good at communicating people, regardless of what your mind's telling you, because our minds lie to us all the time, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm trying to challenge myself a bit more too. Um, and I do, you know, on this journey is so, so fantastic that I do get these, these waves of, um, I guess, not courage, but just if I got something to say, you know, I might feel like I'll, I'll put it out there a lot more than I may have in the past now too. Um, and, and maybe I would even more if it weren't for having a really busy life at the moment too, given that I've got so full time. You yeah. coming on this podcast has been like, this is like so far out of your comfort zone. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, uh, I've kind of been, and I haven't experienced this since I quit um, alcohol. So it was probably good for me, but I, I've been, I've been a bit anxious the last two days, just kind of rolling over in my head. And, you know, am I going to say something stupid? Am I not, am I going to freeze? You know, yeah, that's why I do. Well, you've, you've been absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I so, know, but, I'm always fine when I do it, but you know, yeah, I, I have definitely been over analyzing this over the last couple of so days. Let's talk about this real quick too. Yeah. When you were drinking, you woke up in despair. Yeah. Self-loathing, sometimes um, suicidal. It all was in your head, but now in recovery, how are you waking up? So good. So uh, just... <laughs> One thing I always, one thing I always do is remind myself of what it used to feel like to to wake up in my previous life, and now I wake up, I feel fantastic, you know. And um, even on a bad day or after a bad sleep, <laughs> it's exponentially better than any day, you know, in my previous life. So. Oh, I just feel so good, you know, and I always remind myself because one thing I've learned in my profession is that we, we humans are exceptionally good at forgetting pain and forgetting anguish. And if you try, if you want to try and really relive a horrible point of your life in your own mind, you, you can appreciate that it was really bad. You can appreciate that you never want to be back there, but you can't really relive it. You, you can't. You can't feel that pain. You can't feel that depth. And and I see that in in my profession too. Is people will be highly motivated, um, in a great deal of pain, uh, you know. And and I see it as as the pain dissipates, as they improve. You they they completely forget. You'll say. So what about, you know, what about that, that horrible shooting, stabbing, you know, crippling pain you were having, you know, in whatever body region? 
oh yeah oh no that's been all right yeah 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 and I know you see them a few weeks earlier and it's just dominating their life they can't think about anything else we are so good at forgetting pain and I I never forget I, I make sure I remind myself every day not not to not to dwell not to dwell in it but because it's a necessary tool for me to firstly to to know what I need to stop myself from going back to not just because of that but also because it allows me to see the distance between where I am now as to where I was then and that is beautiful so even when I wake up on a you know bad day now I can see that distance between where I could have been and shit I feel good yeah and and like getting up for work you're not I mean it's actually enjoyable it's it's enjoyable life is enjoyable everything is everything is amazing and and I don't regret I don't regret my past um yeah I, I I think we I think we really do grow from hardships it's just um it just it was the journey that I needed to go on and it's part of my past and and um so I don't well, I don't look back I, I think yeah. you're really brilliant you're 34 years old you're a young man my yeah. daughter we have a daughter that's 32 so you're the age of my my kids really uh-huh. um yeah and you've you're successful you've dove into you battle with the addiction and at 34 coming out of it i really applaud you and i i hope other younger people um get to hear this podcast and they get to know that it's okay to get off the friggin' poison and turn their lives around because it's so much better yeah thanks man um i guess i am fairly young um but at the same time i don't know how much longer i could have really gone like that so young or not and it needed to happen um so but what i yeah that's a good point though um i think that if anyone's listening and they're curious or they're maybe coming to the realization too that um uh, just a, a complete sober life is is the right choice for them i'd say if you're thinking about that it absolutely is and if you you know if you think you might have a problem that's your choice to decide and if you think you have a problem you you probably do and if you're young so what you know if if you come to that realization early good for you you know you, you don't have to you don't have to get to certain depths you know before you decide if if you want to learn from some of us or at whatever age we are go for it you know like doesn't matter how old you are if you if you've struggled and you know it hurts you and you know what it does hurt you it hurts everyone yep. you know that when it's it's literally poison i mean it's in a hydrocarbon system that above it is you know one and below it is methanol you know and methanol's you know makes formic acid which literally poisons your optic nerve you just you just change the chemical structure slightly and you've got ethanol which we can sort of consume but not really and it's pretty much just poison even at low doses so if you come to that conclusion and you happen to be in your 20s or 30s 
And honestly, I just say go with it, you know, work towards quitting, quit and quit. Um, there's no right age for it, is there? No. You, you know. I'd- but there's a lot of people that romanticize it, Todd, uh, younger people. And they, and I think this is the trick of addiction where it's automatically, oh, my God, I got, I can't go the rest of my life without that shit. I, I can't see my life without that. What else, how do we do that with anything else in our lives? We don't really accept addiction. And I think that's a trick with a lot of um, in our minds that it sets us up right off the bat for failure with just that one thought about not being able to go the rest of my life with it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know a lot of people have trouble with the whole rest of my life because rest of my life with anything is a huge um it's a bit overwhelming for a lot of people with anything really anything with with anything yeah 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 absolutely because it just is and um but that little that little trickster in our heads that addict voice is like oh you can't do that oh you can't go the rest of your life without me you need me (laughs) you know absolutely yeah Uh, you know i when i got to this point where i i knew i needed to quit I I actually don't have a problem with rest of my life, but I am very aware to do it one, you know, the whole cliche one day at a time. Right. That's so important. I do both. I do both. You know, most people need to go one day at a time. You will stay sober for this day and then another day and then another, but don't focus on more than that. And I've heard that work really well for, some people, I think I was podcast the other day as a guy who's years and years and years in and still just does. No, I don't say I'm not drinking for, I just say today, every day I say today, I'm not drinking. I'm okay with forever. I, this life is freaking fantastic and yeah, I'm man. okay with that. And I accept that and don't, don't bother me because that's where I'm at. But I'm very aware that that can be very overwhelming and, and I do think that if you need to say one day at a time, you absolutely should. But I had a I, couple of days where I had to go one breath at a time. It was like two days in a row. The anxieties yeah. flooded over me. And it was yeah. really, I was like one breath at yeah. a time for two days. And sometimes that's what we have to do to push through it. it to get that that's small, rough. You know? Yeah, that, that's rough. Um, and some days are like that. They, they, they were, they were there for me. But early on, they were there. They were the, the early days are hard. You know, the first, the end. Every time I did make it a string of time, the end of the second week, a roughly, roughly end of the second week, would just ramp up. You know, you think you're through it. You know, you're starting to float on that pink cloud. But the end of the second week, oh, geez, that would, that would get me. Um, but yeah, some. Some days are, are really rough. I, so you're I, 10 months in now. Yeah. yeah 10 yeah, months yeah, into 10 it. Months. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thanks, man. Congratulations to you too. It's, it's no, it's no easy feat. It's, it's nothing small. Um, but then at the same time, it's, we're young as well. So I sort of see it from both, both perspectives in. in so you game. want it, you've seen that <clears throat> you want to give back too, because that's, uh, and I put that post up about telling people that um, asking anybody that wanted to help out to get a hold of me, and then you contacted me. 
Yeah. Well, I just, um, I think I told you when we chatted the other day that, you know, I just, I have a million ideas in my head, but I second guess myself all the time, you know? So I, I, I think this is the most profound achievement in my life. Um, in, in, in a different way to obviously my family, I have a beautiful daughter and wife and I have another, another daughter on the way at the moment. And they are without any question, the most important thing in my entire life. But uh, what I mean by this, this is the most profound thing I've, I've ever done by quitting alcohol is it's just, I feel like I was literally born 10 months ago. And and this is the start of the rest of my life. And I feel so, so damn good. Um, and I finally feel okay. And, and because of that, when we feel really profound changes in our life, you know, we can't help but want to help others to experience this. And so I, I think I told you, I, I even set up a website. It, it was called Sober Australia. And I had, bought a bunch of dom- domain names. I, <laughs> I own all these domain names around that general theme. Um, I put the graphics in. I'd, I'd written a couple of blogs and, you know, I just, I, I thought about it too much. And and then I thought, well, you know, what what have you got of value though, Todd? You know, you, you, you're not the only person who's quit alcohol. What, what, you know, what, what does your opinion matter? Things like that. And so I just shut it down. I deleted it. It's gone. But um, when I saw you're doing this, you, you got the balls to to lead the way, whereas I just I just scrapped everything and ran. So I thought, I don't know if I can help anyway, but I'll just get in touch with you. And if there's anything I can do to help you out um, through this, because we've come along this journey in the same time and through similar means, I thought I'd really like to help. Um, because what what you're doing is great, and you and you and you're not doing the stupid thing that I do and second guessing yourself as much. Um, so, yeah. So I just sent you an email and wanted to check to see if if I could help you in any way. And now I've got a now I've got a mate across the ditch. And um, you do, and uh, we become friends. Yeah, and that's really nice. And, and also, I put you down as the content editor. Uh, for the website so you can come through the back door and you can help us because we want to build a we want to have a blog page we want to have a page that's we're going to call recovery wall of fame because there's so many badass posts that we see in ias toward the if, if we can get these posts and put them on on that page and then the third pages have resources for so when somebody's getting into recovery or is in recovery they can find out whatever resources they need i mean podcasts you know uh the big book 12 step thing whatever whatever resources there are for recovery we want on that page just uh, everything under one umbrella and you're going to help us with that yes uh, i'd i'd be really proud to help you out with that too and I think those ideas are fantastic as well because you're right. There is, man, there is some art going up on on that recovery app, and some of it probably should be preserved. I mean, 
the uh, the wall of um, fame is a great idea because there are there are essentially meaningful, powerful blog posts being created by all of the people on this app, throwing it out in you know out there ready for all of us to see. Some of it's just. Um, some of it's artwork. It should be. It should be preserved. And and you know, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to make it all work, and we're going to find a system. I'm not sure how it's going to work exactly, but that concept is great. And um, and there are some things you know that that should be. And like you said, we just want to bring as many people and, and you know everyone in the community into it as much as possible. And I think that's great because. Another thing I think I told you is um, I appreciate that we all we all succeed in our different ways, and um, yeah, I I I don't care how anybody makes it work or how anyone you know stitches together their their sobriety. Yeah, the point is that we're all here and and we're all we're all doing it. We're all working hard and we're all achieving this this life. So yeah, that we have no. Yeah, that we have we we have no care for who you are and how you got there. It's it's as long as we're all on this journey and helping each other stick to it. I think that's probably the the main yeah the main main thing about it, isn't it? So yeah, and I think one of the magic things about sobriety is giving back because it really restores the soul. I've done a yes. lot of damage to my soul in my life because I've been a taker. I've taken anybody that knew me paid consequences for knowing me because not that I'm a tough guy. It's just, I used people and discard. I just had, I discarded everything. I didn't, that couldn't help me right away. So I used people and that affected my, everybody in my life, which just mom, brothers, sisters, wife, kids, that's a lot of damage on your soul. Yeah. And when so, you're able to give back, it like restores that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so you're just, yeah, you're really helping to, you, we're piecing our, our souls back together by, by helping others. I, I love that. I love that. And it's, it is so true. And it's, and it's a common theme too. It's a, it's a, it's a massive part of people's recovery is, is giving back. And it's. Well, I just had the light bulb thing go off in my head the other day, last week about the guy that's been in the AA meeting in the same chair for 26 years. Yeah. And he's not there because he has to. He's there because he wants to, and he's giving back, and he's restoring his soul. He's content being in that chair. And I was like, wow, that's who that absolutely. guy is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And when we're sober all the time, wow, we we really are kind of a – I feel like I'm just a step up now on, you know, to be honest, a large – part of the population now who aren't realizing what they're taking away from themselves. They just, it's not their fault. They just don't realize. And, you know, I feel like it's a responsibility to make use of that, you know, air quotes, superpower that we now have that. Well, you're a doctor and you help people physically anyway. Oh, I do that. I don't really go by doctor, but um, you know, I, I do, uh, I do try and help people every day, but you know, it's, you know, the funny thing about my job is that it, musculoskeletal conditions can be, they can get boring after I've been doing it for about nine, 10 years now. Um, but what I love about what I do 
is people people talk to me, people open up to me. I learn their stories. Um, I learn about interesting professions. I learn about their opinions. They they reveal their true self, and we we walk around life with our monkey suit on, you know, and we don't we don't really reveal who we are. And the thing I love about my job is getting that that insight into people's lives um, that they otherwise wouldn't have wouldn't have led on to, just in the process of helping them with their, you know, with their injuries, with their back pain, with their headaches, whatever else. So, so yeah that has helped me too is, is that um, I do see, I do see the, the true nature of people out there. And I do see that um, so many people do quietly suffer in whatever ways. And, and, and I've talked to a lot of people about my not drinking too. And it, a lot of people are interested for some, and I've noticed there are a lot of people who also don't even realize it's possible. They are shocked. They are shocked that I just literally don't drink at all. You know, they don't, they're, they're where I was years, you know, a few years ago where they didn't even connect the dots that it was possible to. Hopefully one day you can give them like, well, just check out SoberTownPodcast.com. Yeah. And here's all the resources you can find. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very true. (laughs) That would be really cool. And then you'll be a part. Not only will you be helping them out with your profession, you'll give them a resource and maybe they can pass it on. Yeah. And give it other resources. Exactly. Uh, This has been a fantastic uh, time spending with you, Todd. I'm just, I'm glad you're on our team. I think we're blessed to have you on our team. Um. And you may not always be out there where everybody can see you, but you guys just know that Todd's going to be in the background helping us out. And I think that's, and I thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks for your kind words, man. Um, yeah. And thanks for everything you do. You, if you want to, you know, piece your soul back together, you are going right about it in all the right ways and, and you are making a difference. It's it's you've helped me and I'm pretty sure you help a lot of people every single day with what you're doing. So yeah, let's let's keep letting this thing evolve, and um, and I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna be there in the background doing everything I can to to give people what um, what helps. Yeah, thank you very much. So with that, I'm just gonna close this up. Um, thank you everybody for listening. This is uh, the Sober Podcast. Jump on that sober train and ride. Pour the poison down the sink. And just live a happy, sober life. Thank you very much. Todd, thank you very much, too. Thanks, mate. Hello, Sobertown, and welcome to the Sobertown podcast, where I have with me a very special guest all the way from Australia. Nice uh, late in the evening for him, very early in the morning for me in Texas. Good morning, Todd. Good evening, Todd. Sorry. Good morning, Polly. How are you? <laughs> Very well, sir. Um, you're busy walking with the little bubba on your chest. Yeah, I am. I'm walking around my kitchen with my little two-week-old Sabella on my chest like a koala. So oh, she's, ha- she's having a good nap. <laughs> it's it, it's so precious, isn't it? This this time when they're so tiny like this because. That's the time that you get to love on them so much before they become independent. Yeah, it's a pretty profound time, actually. It's um, 
it's awesome the second time around too, having another two-year-old and just, I guess, not, yeah, just not having uh, so much unknown and being able to enjoy it. Just, I guess, that that huge amount more really just having been through it before. So, yeah, it's it's been pretty fun actually. Good. And I hope your wife is okay, getting enough rest, etc. She, yeah, uh, it's hard work with oh, two little ones. <laughs> yeah, it is. She's a champion though. She's, she's just... Um, tough as guts and you know it goes great with a couple of hours sleep here and there and she's bouncing off the walls again so she's got some unnatural energy reserves so I'm pretty lucky pretty lucky she's she's there with that because when I'm bombed out she's always there to, to sort of take up the reins that's good and it's surprising how tough uh, you can be under difficult circumstances you push yourself and you've had a an amazing year because yeah, you just absolutely. celebrated one year of sobriety. I'm so, so happy for you. This is unbelievable. Yeah, and, and I, for you too. You were about a week ahead of me or not even that. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I had a great day yesterday. So one year, yeah. Yeah, who would have thought that? But all those feelings, they just feel... It is just, it's almost like this huge happiness bubble inside. I don't know if you felt like that way, this sense of achievement. Yeah, I did. And I didn't think I would so much. Um, you know, birthdays come around and I could not care less. I'm not one to really <laughs> celebrate, you know, too much. I just, but this one meant a lot more than um, most, most of my achievements. So maybe because of how much work goes into it, you know, and, and how, how difficult it is to, to get here. So, I really did appreciate it, actually, much more than most achievements. So, yes, um, it's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it's a personal victory. I think that's what makes it more important. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? It's personal victory. And then, yeah, and that, that just that just shines onto so, so many other people as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's one of those achievements that, I guess, gives back in so many ways. Yeah, because when people see these milestones and how happy we are at these milestones, it gives them encouragement to know that this is achievable with as we say hard work it's not easy but you know if you want this badly enough you'll get it yeah I think so I think that's right because I mean I do recall looking forward in time at some of the some of the future milestones you know like six months nine months and 12 months seemed a pretty lofty you know lofty goal and um you'd look at the people you know writing posts at at that milestone and man did it seem a long way away but but it does it does give you it does give you that that hope that you know you can you can do it it's there's there's a lot of people who are making it there and you know they're they're doing really well so yeah i think yeah. You did that interview with Drifter, um, your podcast. I listened. Um, I had to go back. I had to say I listened when you first did it, and then I had to go back and listen again so that I didn't miss anything yeah. on this um, because that was quite a while ago, and we've had a lot happen in Sobertown since your original interview with him. But going back to the original interview, how did you feel post-interview emotion-wise? Yeah, I was a wreck. I was a complete train wreck because I know a lot of people recently have sort of um, more said that they, they were pretty fine with it or 
like it was a healing experience. And <clears throat> I think because of my personality, I mentioned on the original one with Drifter that I am very introverted and a sort of happier in my own space and my own thoughts. And I have no problem with, um, you know, talking in front of people, speaking to you now, anything like that. But um, people like me, after after we've done, you know, an interview or an event or, um, you know, meetings, things like that, it's just draining, super draining. So I um, I got a lot out of it, but at, just as I expected, I was pretty wiped out for probably a couple of days. And um, it just happened to coincide with like a huge week at work and I think the in-laws coming over and maybe a few other things. And so I think, yeah, I was so bombed from it. And I think um, my immune system must have been a bit down from that. I can't explain it any other way because um, I never get sick, pretty much never. Even when I was drinking, I barely got sick. And I, man, I got some crazy virus from my daughter's daycare um, a few days after. And that week after I did the interview, I lost five kilos um, just with this stomach bug thing. And I was in, I was had two days off work, which is rare for me. So man, <laughs> it was a really good experience and it was definitely positive and healing, but at the same time, yeah, man, it just wiped me out. <laughs> I think, um, I know when I did mine and I've, I've gone back over, gone back a couple of times. I don't know if you, well, I know you listen. And yeah, each time I've discovered something, yeah, I've, I've discovered something more each time um, that never occurred to me the first time. But I think the very first time you tell your story, you're telling it all in its entirety. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think, is so emotionally draining to, mm -hmm. to put everything out there in one go. It really is. It's like it's like therapy. Really, it's um, it's draining, but especially draining because it's not something that I had really, to be honest, ever vocalized from start to finish. Like, no one had ever asked me my story. No one had ever, you know, sat there and actually listened. And I had never felt the need to sort of speak through it. From you know, I mean, I, wherever I started, childhood, I suppose. So. You never know how that's going to affect you because for me, it's not something I'd ever even done. So, yeah, it's not surprising that it sort of, yeah, attacks me or hit me in a way that it, <clears throat> I hadn't really experienced before, I suppose. Yeah, but, um, um, it's, it, it, it left me, first of all, I was, I was on a high. Then hmm. all of a sudden I had this huge low, um, and I think that's similar to what you were talking about. Um, once you got over that, how did you feel? And you obviously yours went on a lot longer with being poorly with um, with the little one giving you her nice little bugs, which is what kids are very fond of doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they always bring yeah. stuff home from school or daycare, oh, don't daycare. they? <laughs> daycare is an absolute cesspool. It's a petri dish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Um, they have the same. My son has the same with his little boy. He's um, yeah. He's a year and a half, and daycare kicks their butts sometimes. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's immune. It's immune building, but at the same time, I'll be very happy when that sort of period is over, and I'll have to go through it all again with Sabella. So yeah, <laughs> but it's hey, good. It's just part of the process. <laughs> but you're more experienced now, so with Sabella, it'll yeah. be you know all 
plain sailing. I think that's the best part about the second baby. Like you say, you've gone through all the, all the, did we do this right? Is this what we do? Yeah, um, do yeah. we let them cry this long? But then the second baby comes along and it's just so chilled. It's like, yeah, exactly. okay, we know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty chilled people in general, but the first baby is just, it's just such a profound experience and it's just so many unknowns and, such a bombardment of some helpful and some useless opinions and Mm -hmm. books and oh man it's just it's just a wild ride you know it's (laughs) so yeah then you you throw all the books out the window and use your common sense it's the best way to do it yeah (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well i've got i raised three boys i didn't kill them so that and they're doing all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a win it was totally different when they were. I mean, you actually, this is the fun part. You are actually younger than my youngest son. So yeah, this yeah. is this is this is pretty pretty nice for me to chat with you. But once you got over all the emotional fallout and the pooliness and that from the original interview, did how did you feel? in yourself having let it all out in one place yeah no really good it's um and and i knew that regardless of how i felt afterwards or you know how how it went anything like that i knew that it was just another new experience and challenge you know in my life which is something i make sure that i um approach as regularly as i feel like i need to um just to to yeah to to do new things to challenge myself to to grow and and I this one was tough in a way but something I hadn't done before so it definitely was a positive experience on the whole and and it spurred on well, a beautiful relationship you know with drifter and and us and uh you know being a, a part of contributing to the website and it's just it's been um one of the it was one of the early um things that spurred on some some really positive changes so i it was what i knew it would be it was a really positive experience it's just you know i just had to cop a bit of a a fallout for a day or so and it's just a coincidence that my daughter brought home a savage stomach bug that particular week too so it was a really positive experience on the whole um and just due to my personality it just yeah, it took a little toll on me for a brief period. That's all. And I think um, it's a huge learning curve for us, uh, putting ourselves out there and making ourselves vulnerable in order to help other people. And how how are you feeling about all the positive feedback you're getting with regard to the blogs that you've been putting up on the website? Oh, I mean, any positive feedback is so appreciated because yeah I'm, I'm someone who second guesses everything far too much and you know never really is, is sure of how things will be perceived um from me or whether i'm you know doing anything of, of great value so you know any any feedback is is great and so far it's been really good because i'm more than open to um very honest feedback and um advice if anything i'm doing could be different or you know better or more helpful by done by being done a different way I, I love feedback I'm more than open to it in all aspects but um it's been it's been really nice to have 
um, a lot of support, especially from certain people like certain, you find a, a really strong support from a certain core core group, which, which is really nice. And then anything from anybody outside that is, is, is lovely as well, but it's really meaningful from um, especially certain people. Yeah. Are you getting um, a lot from all your research into what you're putting on the blogs? Are you benefiting yourself from all that research you're doing? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I have always used writing as a tool for myself. Like this isn't anything new for me. Like I've always learned a certain way and repetition and um, anything I try and learn to any somewhat deep extent, I tend to write down or um, read out loud or, you know, various techniques like that. And, and I've invested heavily to, to get myself to where I am this year. I've had to invest very heavily and part of that is reinforcing why I'm why I'm doing this through through research or um, deep thought introspection you know writing writing everything down journaling so what I'm doing is really just a nice outlet and a place to put um, what I was probably doing in a more rough form anyway so um, I've forgotten what your original question was now but yeah. Um. <laughs> this is nice though because I tell you about you in my sobriety, I find myself talking in my my own head a lot, and yeah, I love it. I love talking to myself. Oh yeah, I talk to myself <laughs> way too much. <laughs> and I think the nature of us is to second guess ourselves all the time. Um, yeah, it's the nature of our personalities, um, and. A lot of, uh, I get a lot of positive feedback because, as you know, we've got these ladies groups and we encourage them all to listen to mm. the podcasts, to go into the blogs, etc. And the ladies within the groups are getting so much out of this, especially the blogs with the information. It's education. It's, oh, it, really? Wow. Thanks. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. It, it, it's an education for them. Um the one lady, I mean, we've got a, an Australian lady actually within our groups. Uh, she's she's originally, I think, from Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, but she's living in Florida at the moment. And she, every time something goes on, she's there straight away. Uh, oh, cool. And, I know who you're talking about, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our friend King. Um, yes. She, and she loved the the idea of the letters, but she she didn't feel she was in a place to write her letters yet. So I mean, that's a I, very that's a very um, impactful experience. It's it's quite emotional if you um, if you do it with a lot of meaning and thought and write that letter to yourself. So it is some of these techniques you do really have to do them at the right time in the right headspace because they they can really hit you. You know they can. Yeah, they can hit you, hit you for six. I think um, when I write my posts, it's, I do some funny ones, some lighthearted ones, but I do do some that they mean something to me. And I usually save them, actually, because they mean something mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that our friend Drifter is starting to put some up on the website for people to see, because these are the thoughts and feelings of ordinary, everyday people. Oh yeah, they they're incredible too. I mean, 
there's so many out there that um, they're so meaningful and impactful. I mean, what I'm doing is more just long form, but they, some of them in, in such a short space, you know, some of yours included are just, oh, they're so, there's so much raw feeling and emotion and um, yeah, a lot of intelligent, yeah, it's well thought out writing. It's, it's incredible. And it's all in a fairly short sort of amount of characters. So it, yeah, all I'm doing is really more research based and I guess expansion on things like that, but there's so much, yeah, so much going on to the, um, yeah, onto the posts that are incredible. And speaking of incredible posts, you did a beautiful one for your one year. Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. And I'm, I meant all of it. It's just pledge to my two daughters that I will remain as I am now for, yeah, for them for the rest of their lives. And I know that's again, a lofty goal and it's, some would say don't shoot so high, but I think that's okay to do that as long as you always zoom back back in and focus on, you know, that particular day. So, um, so yeah, that, that's my accountability at work. I'm I, I'm accountable to my to my daughters and my wife, and um, I will, if there's anything that I will come back to if I'm thinking about drinking is it's pretty quickly going to come straight back to the thought of letting down these two little girls and I ain't going to do it because they mean everything to me. So that's just, yeah, I think that's, that's my renewed accountability. Yeah. And have you kept that post somewhere for you to go back to, to read? Yeah, I've, I, I wrote that down on, um, I, I've got a journal that I write down you know, like a whole bunch every day. I've got a whole system of things that I write out every day and I've, I've got it recorded in, in that journal as well as obviously on the app. And you, you say you like, I mean, you are a person of routine, aren't you? You like to have things set Absolutely. out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Which um, currently routine doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Anybody listening, Todd is walking round around the kitchen. He's got little Sabella on his chest, like his little uh, little koala, his baby koala, <clears throat> all wrapped up in a little pouch. So if you can hear any little snuffles, it's the baby. Um, but uh, that's why we're not going to do too long of an interview because... Um, oh, she's all right so far. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, um. How have you felt... I mean, I know you did touch on this with Drifter about the benefits that you're getting from your sobriety. Um, what else from, apart from better sleep, more alive in the morning is all I can think about it because, I mean, look at me, I'm up and if I'd have been drinking yeah, this you anyway, look great. Thank you. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's um, there's no way I could have done this when I was drinking it and the enjoyment you get from connecting is yeah. huge, but you're yeah, a very private uh, person. Yeah. Um, I suppose I'm private just because I don't feel the need for any external validation, anything like that. But I'm, if anyone asks me, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. I just, um, I just don't really speak unless I'm, <laughs> unless Spoken someone to. asks me a question. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, pretty much. But um, 
Oh, the, I mean, the benefits are vast, are huge. Yeah, like you mentioned, the sleep. So I've slept awfully pretty much my entire life. And just in the last few months, I've really finally honed down on good sleep um, and figured out the, the right amount of sleep and duration and my sleep hygiene and my night routines and my daily routines and things that help me sleep. It sounds like a lot, but some for someone who has been a bad sleeper their whole life, it, it takes a lot to sleep well. And um, yeah, I've, I'm finally getting there, which is devastating because that's out the window for now. But when Sabella is a bit older, we'll get back to that routine. I know I can now. So Being yeah, sober as well with the baby. Yeah, these routines <laughs> are so much these routines are so much easier aren't they yeah absolutely yeah it's like because you know when my first daughter was born you know I was definitely forcing moderation as well as I ever have or could but it's it's that thing where even if I was good at white knuckling for a while then yeah you'd you'd just go back with a vengeance and and then you and when you're when you're not doing it regularly your hangovers are three times worse and it's that mixed with you know then the baby will have a bad night and oh it's just just it's not a good time to be drinking that is for sure when you have a young baby so there's a massive benefit now to um to being where i am with my my second daughter right here with me but i mean the other benefits like you said just feeling good just knowing knowing I'm going to, how I'm going to feel most, almost all of the time. And then knowing if I don't feel good, well, I can definitely more accurately hone in on why in the past you wouldn't have a bloody clue. It could be an actual event or something happening at work or, you know, something else, you know, lack of exercise, whatever, but you wouldn't know because it could have just been a stupid hangover Mm -hmm. and, um, chemical complete nonsense from from drinking too much so now now we can we can hone in and pinpoint okay what is making me feel this way and what do i do about it and generally in a pretty short period of time i can do that and overcome it now because you know that's where we get to when we spend enough time away from alcohol i think the one thing you realize once you spend time away from alcohol Nothing is impossible and nothing is the end yeah. of the world. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. True. I, I think that too, actually. I think, um, well, you reference it against everything, don't you? Like, um, okay. So I need to pick up this habit, but I, you know, but I, if you start to think, well, oh, that's going to be hard. You just go back to, well, I gave up alcohol. I did that, you know, I can do this too. <laughs> I think that's it. It's showing up for yourself. I mean, that's. Um, I've started to do some zooms with the ladies on a Friday, just ladies only. And one of the the topics that they want to talk about is showing up for yourself, which is actually what we're all doing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean. That's so important too, I think, is, you know, how a lot of people call it selfishness. You have to be selfish when you first give up alcohol, which is true. But I think the one thing that you know, I think is really important to know is you, you, if you take care of yourself, you're going to be so much better for everybody else. Like if you want to be the great parent or you want to be a great friend or whatever, 
man, look after yourself. Like do all these things for yourself, you know, call it selfishness or it doesn't end up being selfish at all because when you're in a good place, oh man, that just, that just does wonders for everyone around you. And, you know, if it takes, if it takes telling, you know, your partner, you need 30 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever to get out and exercise at this point, you know, this day and this day, just make it happen because when you feel good and when you're productive and that just rubs off on everyone around you. So it's not, it's not even selfishness at all, is it? It's no. showing up for yourself, like you said. And or like you say, when you feel good inside, it, it actually, where we used to leak alcohol, glad I've had pause before. Yeah. Now yeah. we leak good emotions because if we're feeling good about ourselves, we, we want to make sure that people around us are feeling good. Because mm. misery, the old expression, misery breeds misery. We don't want miserable people around us because that makes us miserable. So it just goes to show that what you give out comes back at you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, exactly. And, and I don't, another thing, I just, I don't think you can very well take care of other people unless you're okay yourself, you know? So, um, yeah it's it's yeah it's all a really good point yeah another expression i just came across actually and i th- i thought it was so true was um grounding before giving you ground yourself before you can give to anybody else which is exactly probably the same kind of thing in a variation you've mm, got to grounding before giving yeah ground yourself before you you like we we're just saying it all comes around to the same thing in that you have got to be good with you yes before you yeah, can give to others yeah exactly yeah that's that's too true yeah so um you you've got your job it's got I'm assuming, rightly or wrongly, which is probably going to make an ass out of you and me, which is what they always teach you not to assume. I'm hoping work is going well for you at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked because I'm off work for three, another uh, – this this week is my, my third week off of work, which has been so nice just to break my normal routines and just spend time with the family and fix some DIY things around the house. But, yeah, work's great. Um I've been thriving at work and and actually enjoying it where um so you know some weeks in the past I would think I like it some weeks I would hate it to death you know like mm-hmm. I I genuinely see see the positives you know in my work and I really enjoy it and I love helping people um in my two different in my business and in my my work um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying it and I can appreciate that the parts that I don't like, I can appreciate that no matter what, you know, what, where else I go or what I, what I do, there's never going to be one perfect occupation or position or so, um, I've basically found a really happy place. And, um, as long as that's working for me, then I'll, I'll stick with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. If it ain't broke, don't fix it is the old yeah. expression. So, but we're going to let, um, before we go, because mm-hmm. like I say, you're getting a good amount of exercise, getting your steps in there, walking that baby around, aren't you? Um, oh, I miss riding my bike. That's um, <laughs> this will have to do for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's getting late in the evening with you. I just wanted to catch up with you and let people know that things are good for you now. 
in your life? Things are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I might, I might be fairly <laughs> monotone, sort of not, you know, swinging from the rafters person like my wife is. But um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm really loving life. I, I think the best thing I ever did was, um, was give up alcohol. And it takes a lot of work, and it takes, it takes a lot of investment. But um, it's so worthwhile, as you know. An investment that pays dividends. Correct. That's right. Yeah. I think it's the best return on an investment you will ever have is to get a life. Um, you've done this pretty young. As you can see, I'm not exactly a youngster, but my drinking didn't start until I was past your age, you know, my yeah. serious drinking. So, yeah. It, it, different it strokes. It doesn't matter when. It's, nope. Yeah, it doesn't, you know. It's and it doesn't important. matter when you come to the realization that this, this can't go on. Yes, absolutely. It, it's yeah. a horrible place to, to get to, but it's a place we all need to, and we all get to it in our own different ways. You are coming out of your first year of sobriety on so much of a high. You've got one year of sobriety, work is going well. You now have a beautiful new little girl. Family life must feel really good now. Oh, it feels fantastic. Like I'm, I'm so lucky, like... Like I, there's a lot of things that you can say you work for and you can say I'm proud I got here because of hard work but I'm so lucky like there's so many things that you just can't say I can, can't attribute this to just goal setting and hard work because I've got beautiful healthy daughters you know that's just biology that's out of my hands you know I've I've got a wonderful family and and um, my health and happiness and we're, we're great so family life is probably the best the best thing um and you know it was always great and you know I was always a a really good father and husband that wasn't a problem for me it was a but it was but I wasn't enjoying very much of life that's the only thing it's um so yeah I can really enjoy I can really enjoy every every minute now so yes yeah, it's, wow. it's all all improved well, I'm going to wish you well. I'm going to wish you a, hopefully a good night's sleep. Thank you for being oh, yeah. with Paula. us. This is, and we'll do it again maybe when uh, when we get another few months down the road. It's nice to visit back with people. I love it. I am going to be visiting with Tea Lover in a little while because oh, she's great. just, yeah. she, as we know, she's struggled. Another thing, and I, I meant to bring it up earlier, was um, one of the podcasts it really resonated with you um this missus um mm. and yeah i got a lot out of hers yeah definitely especially with the new baby um yeah 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 um, and now you're present for your wife in case she needs help yeah yeah definitely it's um it's something that's so important. Yeah, one one part that I recall that there was so much on that on that podcast. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I've got a lot out of almost out of all of them. I've listened to all of them, and I've I've honestly got something really important out of every one of them. Some some were just packed full of goodies. Um, like I loved listening to Karina talk to um, Steve Hickey as yeah. well because because of his experiences with training and everything was similar to mine. But, um, but yeah, this Mrs. I think Sarah, is it, we, 
yeah, I got a lot out of her, especially when she was just, you know, really emotionally talking about how, you know, mothers need care. And I, I, I so, yeah, I so think that too. It's, it's just, a, I think we're getting better, but I, I just hate the thought of, it made me think of my current situation and I couldn't bear the thought of, you know, my wife feeling that way and not having that support and, um, or yeah, just it, that run really touched me, but, um, there was, there was multiple parts of that probably because of my current situation that, um, that did speak to me. That's for sure. Yeah. I think like we say that there are certain parts of every podcast that we can relate to, that we can take something yeah. from it, it's, it's all an education, the podcast, yeah. the blogs, the, the app, um, anything you find on the internet, it's, it, it's all education and, I think yeah. you're sober, you're fully present for your wife, for if she mm. needs any help. You're in such a good place life-wise at the moment, and I wish you and your family so much joy. It's going to be Thanks, a good boy. life. Um, I'm so happy for you. You know, this is like every time one of us celebrates a milestone, it just fills me up even more because I think, yes, someone else is, is getting to live their life. And I, I think I must have lots of virtual children and friends because everybody's younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I mean, your, your support and love just shines though. It's, it's, it, it's so nice. It's, um, it's, it's so nice that you do what you do and you're doing these follow-ups and all of the, all of the other podcasts you've done, they've been fantastic. So yeah, I've enjoyed you. them because to me, visiting with it's like visiting with it's like going visiting because of not being able to do it for over a year. Um, yeah. The one thing that bugged, I, I still want to grab a hold of my kids and wrap my arms around them, but that will happen. Yeah, and yeah, I'm happen. a great believer yeah. in that. Okay. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, but tonight's another night. You never know. I might get a good yes. night's sleep tonight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's one one day at a time spread to all different um, aspects of our lives, isn't it? It does, doesn't it? I mean, if you get a good day, you take it, you grab it with both hands, you yep. know, because it's a good day. And we celebrate so many more good days now that we're sober and yep. you're celebrating so much. I wish you the very best. Thank you for this and for staying up late. Um, and for walking the floor with the little Sibella. Congratulations yeah. to you and the family. Thank you very, very much. And I wish you well, Todd. I really, really do. Thanks, Polly. Much appreciated. Lovely to talk to you. And you, darling. Take care. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.